On this edition of Magic Pod Squad, we catch up with Director of Team Operations for the Orlando Magic, Rodney Sid Powell. For nearly 30 years, he was the Orlando Magic Equipment Manager, going all the way back to the inaugural season in 1989. We're going to talk about his journey through the NBA, some of his favorite people in the NBA locker rooms, and some terrific stories during his time here in Orlando, including what happened to the number 23 Michael Jordan jersey that one February night in 1990, the time that Michael Jordan played with the number 12 and no name on the back of that Bulls jersey. We'll touch on that and many, many more stories with Rodney Sid Powell on this edition of Magic Pod Squad. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. And it is another edition, a special edition of Magic Pod Squad. We are very much looking forward to this one. We're here in Oklahoma City at uh, whatever this hotel is named. And we... The 21C. The 21C is the name of this one. And this might be the perfect time to bring in this guest, right? Rodney Powell, better known as Sid. We'll get into all of that. But Sid used to be the uh, equipment manager for the Orlando Magic. And none of us know what your title is now, Sid. What, What is your title? First of all, welcome. Second of all, what is your title now, officially? I have officially been moved up to upper-lower management, and it is Director of Team Operations. Director of Team Operations. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Well, we're here joined by George Galati, Jeff better. Turner, Sounds David Steele. Yeah. we got the whole pod squad here back together. But this is an interesting hotel, is it not? You used to be responsible for booking some of these places, and you get you get us great, the best hotel in every city we go to. Well, I'm still responsible, but... Uh, <laughs> See, Dante doesn't know your title or what you're well, responsible role for. Is, right, yeah. right. Uh, no, I'm still responsible. This just this city just happens to be one that uh, coaches, players are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Sure. With two properties we've stayed at that they tend not to want to go back and visit. Mm-hmm. So one of them's haunted. Correct. One of them is supposedly haunted. Is that why correct. the players don't want to go there? Yes, that is why. That's the, uh, the Skirvin Hilton mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma City. Right, right. And that doesn't you, stop us from staying at the Fister in Milwaukee. Well, we're no longer at the Fister in Milwaukee. What? Yep, read your itineraries. <laughs> I haven't gone to Milwaukee yet, Sid. <laughs> okay, so this is fast. Wait for people second. that don't know, Sid plans everything. He plans the trips. He has buses waiting for us at the tarmac, books the hotels. He gives us our itinerary for the entire don't, year. Don't forget your Purdue. rundown. Our That's your Purdue, the most important which part. Which is most important. That is critical. And you've, and you've been here since day one. For, for people that don't know, Rodney Powell, you've been here since day one. Oh, pretty much in this capacity. Prior to day one. Prior to day one. Yeah. That's right. Just take, start, us, take us back. I started out as a... You worked in the, in the fan attic at first. No. That's an inside, inside joke. <laughs> between the two no, of us. I started out um, selling season tickets um, prior to the Orlando Magic ever being... Because remember, we had to get to 10,000. Right. What was it? 10,000 season ticket holders? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To... Uh, be granted a team and uh so when i first got here i started out i interviewed with pat williams and jack swope and they basically offered me a position selling tickets i'd never sold anything in my life coming out of college so i did anything to get my foot in the door sure i'll do it that's a good that's a good lesson for young people anything to get your foot in the door you got a job with 
a team selling tickets, and uh, you know, 31 years later, you're still here with still a prominent here. role, just under the DeVos family. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. You know, you guys realize <laughs> that uh, upper lower management. <laughs> you, you guys realize that you're sitting with the only two remaining survivors from year one. Oh, That's I know. Right. I'm well aware. You never left. <laughs> That's I'm exact, well aware. Yeah. You're exactly right. right. Now, JT was here. You know, and obviously did a few other things. I was going to say, what happened? I, I was here. I was a survivor from year one. <laughs> right, right, right. But you left and came I back. Little, I, I Alex Martin's was was, uh, yeah. was there in year one, and yeah. but Alex did a few other things, came back. Yeah. But Sid and I are the we're the last true now that Pat's warriors. Gone. That's now right. That Pat's gone, we're the last two standing, last two amigos. Yep. Who who do you think like survives? <laughs> who who lasts longer, me or you? Oh, definitely you. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, I don't you. think so. Well, I don't know. After our last road trip, when you said, uh, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, the passport. The passport. So I don't want to have to renew my passport. Because <laughs> yeah. both of our passports are expired. Same year. 2023. So, that, so who's going to hold out longer? <laughs> that's it. You're waiting until your passport yeah, is Yeah, I'm not, not going to get another so passport. Renewing. I'm not, not going to get another passport. That okay. <laughs> Sally, Sally. That, that's a science that goes into when they're going to. hope Sally doesn't plan on going on a European vacation. So you make the transition from ticket sales. You're the one that says, hey, Pat, we got 10000 yeah, right. No, no, no. We didn't I mean, fact check was, that at it, all. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> it was yeah. basically when I met with them, I had I told them what my objective was was to I wanted to work on the basketball ops side as the equipment manager. But back in that day, back in '88, '89, mm-hmm. there were no equipment managers in the NBA. There was always a trainer and an assistant trainer, and there were they would use uh, just some help to do laundry, whatever. Well, when the magic started, and we hired a trainer, Lenny Courier. Lenny hired an assistant trainer, Keith Jones. Well, Keith Jones came from uh, college, and his his goal was he wanted to be a trainer. He didn't want to be an equipment manager. So when he started with us, he was basically, here, you're doing the equipment. That wasn't what he wanted to do. I was upstairs in ticket sales, and I used to come down and help on game nights, would help Keith in the locker room, you know, with the laundry, post-game, I mean, dirt, pre-game, before the game, I was selling tickets. <laughs> How about this? What a, what a, were you, at the, were you at the window, like somebody would come to the window no, and my, say, yes, my, ma'am, can I help when, you? When we first started, my whole, the window I worked, no, I didn't sell tickets. Okay. I was at the time when we moved in the arena, the Amway, whatever we call it, it was called the Orlando Arena. Yeah. I was in the season ticket sales department. So all we did was cater to the season ticket holders. So if they had came up and they wanted to leave tickets for somebody, hey, we took care. I wasn't at the like the box office selling individual tickets. That's probably a good and feel call, free right? said to talk into the mic. You can keep it. Can you not hear me? <laughs> you can just go ahead and talk right into it. This is the first interview he's ever. Done. I love this. But and you know what? Sid's on a this. media tour on this trip. Uh, I don't know if you guys know oh, this. Can, Sid, can you well, not hear me? No, I can't. I can't. Sid has another. After he does the pod squad, he's not doing it today. I believe he's doing it tomorrow. tomorrow morning. He's doing another interview for uh, the Thunder because they're honoring uh, their, who used to be their equipment manager. My longtime Fantastic. counterpart here. Who's no been there kidding. for 34 years because he came from Seattle, and I guess they're doing Mark. a big big tribute for him, and they wanted Sid to be a part of the video. So where do you rank so, now all NBA-wide years as equipment manager? You mean compared to other guys? or yeah, just yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you got Mark here. and Well, Mark here in Oklahoma City is in the same role I'm in now. He doesn't do equipment. He just oversees the travel, and then they got some funky names for their titles. Mm-hmm. Um, foresight. Insight. Insight and, for, well, yeah. Insight <laughs> yeah, and foresight, or whatever it is. Right. Um, 
but Mark's doing that. Um, so I, mean, I know there's the guy in, used to in, be abdin out. I mean, there used to be a lot, a yeah, long time. Abs, you, well, you, you can't consider kinda... you can't consider abs an equipment manager. Don't okay, gotcha. don't degrade him like that. He's a trainer. <laughs> yeah, he's a trainer. <laughs> So, but the guy from the New Orleans just he just Dave, got let Dave go. came in the same year. What did he, Charlotte come in the same year we the did? Year before we were. So he's got so a year was, ahead of me. Um, not many. Yeah. Not many. No, not not left now. But again, I can't. I'm not in the equipment manager right, world right. You're, anymore. You're, you're an executive. But you're, yeah. you're still so, alive though. But of us, all of us has been around. <laughs> I think there's maybe the guy in Chicago's ahead of me. The guy in Denver last night or the other night. But he started out as a ball boy, but he's been with the Nuggets for 40-some years. So, I mean, but, I'm well, – So, Jake Diamond is our equipment manager now. Yes. But, but just – yeah, go ahead, Jake. Well, I was going to say, just kind of following how, how it's changed since oh. what you talk about. We, yeah, back I mean, back just in, this, the traveling party. To, I mean, we had how many? Maybe 15? 15, man. I mean, you had, what, two coaches? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, one players. radio, one one TV? Or no, you had Chip two TVs. Goose. Chip Goose. Me. Radio, right? Cook. John Cook. You didn't have a guy Producer working TV with you, right? No, no. Yeah. Nope, just me. Then there was what? 50 or 12 players? Yeah. Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was a commercial, right? Now, we, used, you, we used to fly on Nuts and Bolts one. Yes. Yeah, yeah commercial first, though. Commercial first, yeah. For I remember what? that because I remember, I remember uh, Mike Wansley had always come on and he had asked Lenny, I want the, uh, can you please get me the Buckeye seat? <laughs> Buckeye which, seat. Which was the bulkhead well, seat. Bulkhead. <laughs> But he called it the Buckeye seat. <laughs> Fair enough. The Buckeye seat. So, Lenny, can you make sure I get the Buckeye seat? I need some leg room. Oh, that's great. But so you guys were responsible. We got to the airport, you know, just like anybody else. You meet us at baggage claim. You give us our boarding pass. Boarding passes. We all go meet to the Remember okay. back in the Lenny always wanted to give you guys your equipment or your game gear and you yes. carry it with you. That you didn't carry go, your game gear. That didn't on go the over plane. well. Your practice gear yeah. and your game. You're like he liked to give us our game gear. We kind of talked to him about yeah, that after a while. Right? Your actual like, uniform you had to carry in your bag. We had to carry it in our bag. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. Funny. You <laughs> know, it. people need to understand. Like today, the guys touch oh, nothing. They, yeah, touch nothing. they don't carry their shoes or anything. We carried our practice gear, our shoes, our game uniform. You'd go to baggage claim and get your suitcase. You go. Yeah. Oh yeah. You oh, that claim. was fun. Oh, that you, was a that was a game. Was you, a game. Everybody threw a dollar in. Yeah. Whose bag Players, came out first? And first bag that came, came off the. Yeah. That's how I got the nickname, the commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? You remember that? Remember that? Yeah. We're we, we gonna talk about the jacket too, or the coat, <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, I want <laughs> to. Your I want to talk about we, that. We all watch story time with Sid. So yes, fire away, fire away. No, I mean it's yeah. Those were those. Those were the. You're not firing away. I want to know the story Jeff about was, the about the commissioner and the jacket. Both of them. Well, Go the ahead. Start with the commissioner. Uh, we were standing there, and um, it was I think it was Michael Ansley who said uh, Michael Ansley said they, they were try, trying to get him to throw a dollar in to get the bat, you know, for the bag game coming down the chute. And he said, well, is, is David Stern in? <laughs> and Nick Anderson said, David Stern, that's the commissioner of the NBA. That's David Steele. And so from then on, Nick called me the commissioner. commissioner. That's good. good. I can't remember the whole jacket. Jeff, you probably remember the jacket story. Well, we all made fun of each other's clothing. Clothing, yeah, back in the day. We all. David had his his coat from. um, From 1970. (laughs) When when he was in college, I think. you know, he had the uh, the little lamb's wool collar and everything. He looked nice. like the marble man. The marble marble man. man. Called me, well, Lenny called me uh, Big Ben, Big Ben Carson. Big ben. From, he called the coat. The coat had a name. Big Ben. The coat, the coat, had the a coat name was on its Big own. Ben. 
That's great. And yeah. uh, I can still hear the guys chuckling as I walk through. Do you still have through, it? Uh, Wait, no, through you, O'Hare Airport. Do you still have it? Chicago. Dave? I do not have it. Oh, come You're on. Lying. I wish you I kept it. That jacket since been doing to, to we Goodwill. We moved into an old house, and I didn't have closet space. I had to get rid of it. Plus, Good. you got teased mercifully. <laughs> I'm not taking this thing anywhere. Goodwill's got that somewhere. Yeah, right. but so we just Maddie so had the car code. Yeah, the car code. <laughs> so back then, we just hand the keys over to someone who had never done it. To go ahead and take care of all the uniforms all the travel, and all travel. Well, no, no. I mean, there there were times that I don't know if it was beginning. Some teams at the time used to. Well, Lenny Wilkins. This is where it all started. Where players quit carrying their uniforms. Is Lenny Wilkins was in Atlanta. Atlanta. And when Atlanta, you know, they made the players carry their uniforms. After a game, some players wouldn't turn their uniforms in. <clears throat> So they'd wash them themselves in their rooms, in their sinks. And so happened, you know, Atlanta had red in their uniforms. Well, the next night, a guy showed up for the game, and his uniform was like pink. Pink. (laughs) Did his name rhyme with Schmamanique Schmilkins? (laughs) (laughs) No. And and Mrs. Wilkins, his wife, I mean, uh, Lenny Wilkins' wife, saw this on TV and didn't know what was going on. And when she got to the bottom, I said, no, players should never have to do this. And Lenny Wilkins was kind of the guy, the first coach to push Joe Tool, the trainer for the Hawks, into saying, hey, listen, that is your responsibility now. You got, We need to wash these uniforms every night. That's a, that's a historical note. And that's where it all – but before that, teams used to – some guys wouldn't even turn their uniforms in after the game. Right. And they would just – some of us, if we didn't play, just throw that bad boy back out <laughs> there and we're good to go. And that's the way it went. That's the way Fold it went. Fold it up, put it, Fold back. it right back in. So then that all, you know, came to a point where it, it changed and trainers decide, hey, I don't want to be washing uniforms. That's not my job. I want to be a trainer. So teams started hiring assistant trainers. Here, your main focus is to do laundry, handle the equipment. And back then, there wasn't as much equipment as there is now. Sure. But, and that's where it kind of moved on to where teams were saying, hey, you know, we need to look at hiring an equipment manager. And that was, was my focus. There was one point, though, where Lenny was doing – somebody was like, maybe if we – because we stayed over. Yeah, you'd stay so over. So a lot of times the, the home team, the you know, we were the visitors, would – they'd do the laundry we still that do, night. They still do that now. So the best part was – so we may have like a 7 a.m. flight to the next – so we're on the curb at the hotel at 5.30 and and sitting out on the ground in stacks are all our uniforms yeah. because Lenny wasn't going to carry them. We had to pack those <laughs> That's things. That's great. Because remember, they used no to do kidding. it in the hotel lobby sometime, lay them yeah. on, a, on like a counter, and as you came down to go good on the bus to go to the airport, you grabbed your uniform, you grabbed your uniform threw it in your bag. And I remember Scott Skiles went off on Lenny once. <laughs> Lenny, we're in the NBA. We're not doing this anymore. And Lenny just had a, you know, a temper, I mean, a hissy fit. And this isn't right. This is my job. I got to get this done. And, you know, and so happened after that, you know, then the magic started that going with the great. trend. And, and the trainer coordinated the travel, too, right? Back then. Made the reservations yeah, and Lenny all that. Lenny did everything. Which, did all which the, you, you, you've been doing that or did. You don't do well, that Well, I, I started working with Lenny, I mean, at when, what was his last year, 95, 96? Yeah, 94, 96, somewhere in there. I started kind of helping me with some of the things. 
And then when he went and he left, that's when Gabe came to me and said, "Hey, you're taking over the travel." And people need to understand. I mean, this is clockwork. We land at any time. Buses are there all times of the day. I mean, you got it down to a science, and it is really pretty impressive to watch. But now, so now you've got these guys. You've got these personalities that you're dealing with. And who is your favorite? Like, who's your favorite locker room? The, the NBA locker room is quite a dynamic. Quite, well, I mean, I, I always. But I, you must have some favorites. People that have come always say. You. I mean, I always say that one of the easiest guys that I like messing with, playing with, was always Shaq. Shaq was easy to me, but now I know he's going to other teams, and other teams have said, you know, "This guy's a handful. He wants this. He wants that." I never had a problem. I always got along great with him. Now, there were a few guys that <laughs> not as easy. Yeah, not as easy that I would tend to walk the other way but I still I mean my my biggest thing was and Jeff will I mean I had Jeff that my biggest thing was prove it Donna treat treat me with respect I'll treat you with respect that was my biggest thing here's the thing if you want to know what a player's reputation is around the NBA the equipment manager knows yeah right I mean there's been plenty of stories out lately I mean you talk to other sports teams that uh, you know basically because the equipment manager's on the inside and he's around them, and guys kind of gravitate towards the equipment. We'll talk to you, and so I mean, I've always had a, I've had a great relationship with everybody. I haven't really had any because Sid's got a bubbly personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's in the it's locker why room. They call only. him Sunshine in the locker room only. People <laughs> <laughs> um, gravitate to you. People would tell, come up to you and tell you stories. Yeah, I mean, I. Well, you come from a sports background. You played baseball. You, I played you were baseball. An athlete. I mean, good, good athlete. Up, I was like all of us. I played. As a kid, you played them all, baseball, football, basketball. Um, when I got to high school, I went towards just one, two sports, football and baseball. Figured out, you know, in basketball you'll be able to touch the net, and I couldn't touch the net. So. And in West Virginia, in with West a school Virginia. with 75 people, you, you could play <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. every sport. Yeah. How was so, that football team? So this would be a good spot then. Dante referred to you as Sid. Oh, how I got my name. How you got your name. I got my nickname Sid when I was in junior high school. Um, Remember, everybody remembers Sidney Moncrief. Mm -hmm. Played at Arkansas. For some reason, I just became a fan of his. And during their big run, they had, I forget what year, it would have been in the 70s or 80s. Early 80s, yeah. Yeah, I kind of, you know, just became a big fan of his. And... I can't remember what number he wore, but I four. wore the same number, number four. four. Yeah, I think I wore number four in junior high, and some guy on my team just said, "Hey, man, you're just like Sidney Moncrief." Nice. And somehow that name stuck, and I've had it ever since. I don't know how it sticks now. Like, how does it stick you? now? Right, right. Well, my wife calls me Sid, <laughs> but a little a little story there when we were in college when I met my wife. Um. In my dorm room, where we lived in the athletes' dorm at Marshall, um, she would come visit, and it wasn't really her, but she. But other players would be in my room. We'd hang out in my room, and my mom would call from home, and she'd call, and one of the other guys would answer the phone. She'd say, "Hi, can I speak with Rodney?" And they're, "Hey, you got the wrong number. There's no Rodney here." <laughs> and they'd hang up on her. So next thing, I mean, that was before cell phones. I think we sure. didn't have. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Why about twenty years? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, oh, just a little bit. Before cell so and the bad thing, you know, my mom would finally keep calling, keep calling. Hey, I, I want to talk to Rodney, my son. 
Finally, I said, who's Rodney around here? <laughs> I said, it's me. Give him the phone. So, and even, you know, to this day, even when I met my wife now, we were in school, we were out at a local establishment, and I had my letterman's jacket on. And my jacket had, had Rodney on it, was the name on the jacket. So she sees me, and she comes up to me, and she's like, she goes, whose jacket you have on? <laughs> I'm like, that's my jacket. She says, you're not, you're not Rodney. I said, no, that's my name. She's your Sid. And I said, no, no. How about that? So, so that goes that far back. Yeah. And it, it's, so take us take us through, I think it was February of 1990, right? This is what, this is kind of started to circulate the, the last couple of weeks. But Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls come to town. At that time, just to explain the scenario. You, you'd have one jersey. They, they brought one jersey for Michael Jordan. And what is your responsibility in getting the visitor's locker room ready? Just I mean, in the, in the mornings, like that. that's a leading question. When like when that. teams come in for shoot arounds, it's the, you know the the home equipment guy meets the visiting equipment guy. You bring them in, you help them unload their stuff, you help them set up their locker room. And you remember back in the the visiting locker rooms at the Orlando Arena weren't always. Oh, the home one wasn't great either. Yeah, true. But, the visiting visiting one, one was worse. Yeah. So basically, you're sitting on a bench, and that's what you get. You guys are spoiled. <laughs> that was a great locker room. I love that bench. <laughs> so I mean, it's just you, you help them set up, and you know that morning they came in, we set up for shoot arounds, put their uniforms out, and uh, yeah, they had the the great Michael Jordan when. They left from shoot around. Number twenty three was hanging up. So you saw the jersey. Oh yeah, it was. It was there. there. All of them were there. Twenty three, thirty. You saw it because he put it in the trunk of his car. <laughs> That's why I saw it. <laughs> and then, then just out of the blue, when they come back for the game, you know, the equipment staff came. Or the equipment guy came over early with the trainer and came in. He's looking, and there's no twenty three jersey hanging anymore. And uh, you know, then the building just started panicking. Everybody going nuts looking for this so-called jersey. And, and there was no spare. There was and no there was backup. no spare. Teams didn't – you didn't have a spare back then. They didn't have the blood jerseys you have now. Right. right. Now it's uh, – you had one jersey. You played with blood. If you got blood You played, jersey, you had you blood on you. It playing. didn't matter. Nowadays it's – you're out for six to eight weeks if you got blood on you. <laughs> so there's no 23. Michael Jordan's coming to the game. He has no jersey. Michael shows up and, and he goes ballistic. Find out his jersey's not there. And then uh, – John Legmanowski, who was the equipment manager for the Bulls, still with him. He, uh, you know, did the last thing he could do. He had a blank jersey in a bag with no name on it, and it was number 12. And he no told name. Michael that, hey, you're, you're going to have to wear this. And it was not – it did not fit. No, it was too small. Yeah. And Michael was not happy about it. And he was – I mean, even in his – the interviews before the game or whatever, he was he was mad and he made comments about it. After the game, he made comments about it. And still to this day, I mean, I became friends with him over our time. And when he sees me, he still teases me about it, that, hey, you know where that jersey's at. How did you get it out of the arena? That's what I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, if I got out of the arena, I wouldn't be sitting here right now with you guys. Has that, has that jersey still not <laughs> been found? No, it what? was claimed. That it was. What happened was a security personnel at the arena had snuck in between – post shoot around and pregame and their their intentions were to take it stuck it up in the ceiling up above the uh what do you call it the ceiling tiles, ceiling tiles. Yeah. and was hoping you know no one would think about that which no one did and then you know they played the game they left and then when afterwards next day or so they got the opd involved and 
came searching and searching, and all of a sudden this uh, one security personnel kind of, I guess, wanted to fess. They didn't fess up. He said, I, maybe we should check the ceiling tiles. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough. Maybe it just, pop, maybe just popped up there on yeah. its own. Just sure enough. That one right there. <laughs> yeah. Third yeah. to the left. Sure enough, they found it, and uh, wow, it was returned to the Bulls. And uh, that's where it is. I mean, to this day, yeah, people still tease me thinking I have it. But like I said, if if I had it, I wouldn't be sitting here right now with you guys. But that's it's, a part of history. He's worn 23, 45, and for one And it wasn't the 45 and the Magic are involved. There was a story with a 45, with the 45 too, during exactly. the playoffs. That one, yeah. We played him, what, in game one? Yeah. And we beat him. He got the ball stolen by Nick. And after the game – he had worn it for the year. He came back in March, I think. Correct. Right. That he was had his worn baseball it. number. That his was baseball number, 45. 45 yep. playoffs. And then when he came back, he uh, and we beat him that game one, he made a comment to the equipment man, I'm, ch- I'm going back to 23. Well, hold Had on. to get that down out of the rack. <laughs> <laughs> but Nick also told the media after yes, the game, that's right. 45 isn't as oh, good yeah. as 23. Which he yeah. didn't like that. Oh. And that's oh. when in game two – he showed up wearing 23, and I'm pretty sure he dropped 38, and they beat us in game two. And he got right? fined by the – the Bulls got fined by the NBA for changing his number, right. which they weren't allowed to do. And But it didn't matter. He still wore 23 when we went back to Chicago. Yeah. We still beat him. But, right, right. So That's a good bit of history it's right It's a great there. story. Oh, yeah. So he's worn three jerseys, two of them. You know, the two that are out of the ordinary are 12 tied. and 45. They have magic ties. Yeah. And you were right and in the 12, middle. And you 12 right never had a name on controversies. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Do it now. Do, well, they don't carry extra jerseys. Well, they carry extra jerseys for each player. But the only jersey I can remember where some where it was blank for us. Oh, we did that in Utah. Ray for Alston, I remember wearing. A, oh, that's right. No, it was Utah. It was. Uh, uh, what was his name? Derek Dial. Derek Dial. He yes, had a blank. Yes. He took. Jersey. He took the last shot. Yeah. And missed it. With no, we had just signed with him. No, no name. Number. We had no name on the no back name. of the No name. Had a number. He always has a number. No yeah. name. Gave him the last shot. Yeah. Yeah. The, the play was drawn up for coach. Doc was the coach. Yeah. yeah. That was actually was that Doc's last game. <laughs> I might have been. Doc's been. Last game. Salt Lake City got let <laughs> yeah, go. I think it was Doc's last game, and they drew up a play for Derek Dial, who we just signed, and he and and we was, had no. So wait. what did you have? A, just an extra jersey. Just a blank jersey with standard. That was standard. Just a blank name. I think it was number sixteen. I think you're right. Was well, a nuts number I always carried. And Ray for Alston also had a blank jersey because he met us in Charlotte yep. the year we signed him, or the year we traded for him. And his jersey was too big on him. 36, and that jersey was swimming, <laughs> armpits swimming down like by his hip, by his hips. I remember yeah. that one, but so, I don't remember any other ones. So Sid, go like people. We were talking a little bit about the locker room. So like in the early days, we would have ball boys. Yeah. Locker room attendants, whatever. But they were in the early days. They were really young. It didn't. They didn't have to be sixteen or older, like it is. Now. They were yeah. boys. They were they, boys. They were now, really boys. now they're ball men. Yes, yes. <laughs> but you've had some locker room attendants, ball men, ball boys, whatever you locker want to call room them. <laughs> That's the official name. Locker yeah. room attendants. You've had some that have gone on to have a little bit of celebrity in the world. I have. I've had uh, my most famous ball boy, and to this day, you know, he still won't claim that he's from Orlando but he did go to school in Orlando is um, um, the DJ DJ Khaled his real name was Khalid Khalil Khalid Khalil Khalid Khalil his parents owned a clothing store that our players would frequent to get the new hip hop clothing and 
couple of players had come to me and said, "Hey, can we can we hire this their their son to be our a ball boy?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I can look at him." And we're always looking for kids. So happened, Khalid, DJ Khalid, <laughs> uh, came in. I, we met him and said, "Yeah, you know." That, that at the time, I don't know if everybody remembers, but Jason Rivera, who is now the equipment manager for the Charlotte Hornets, he was like the same age as DJ. And they were both ball boys together. So, but yeah, DJ was a ball boy. He, you know, I don't think he had any sports ambitions whatsoever. But I, I mean, working with him, I didn't know he had a music ambition either. And then next thing you know, once he got done with us and graduated high school, moved on to bigger and better things, and now. But he used to put music together. He would put music together for the players, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I. Now he's now he's DJ, DJ Khaled. Is enormous. That's huge. And my, my daughters, I tell my daughters that story. You know that oh yeah, he was a ball boy. You know when I played and everything. And then I tell them the story about him making music. Dad, did he ever make you anything? I said, ah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think he was really into George <laughs> Strait yeah. or Alan Jackson or anything yeah. like that. So. Can you put those poison songs together? <laughs> no, and I, and he hit. A, I mean, he hit a big. Yeah, it was with, huge. Yeah. Once he got out. You know, so when off. did you did you were you watching the new? When did you find? Oh my God, that's that. No, that, oh, it took. That's I mean, Khalil. Like I know that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it took. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. Not like I followed him, but sure. J- Jason Rivera's one that told me about him basically, and look where he's at now. And then uh, when we go to Miami, there'll be times that he'll come to our games, and he'll come over and see me, and he still to this day calls me Mr. Powell. That's crazy. And I'm like DJ. It's not Mr. Powell. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Powell, and fill so, up that water jug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here, carry this towel for me. And then I had who was another one was was Max Starks, NFL lineman, who was a uh, he was a student at Lake Highland Prep. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first met him, it wasn't about him wanting to be a ball boy; it's about his parents wanting me to give him shoes because they couldn't find any shoes to fit him. He was in ninth grade, wore size eighteen. And I just happened to have, you know, a couple of players wearing 18s. And he came in and I told his parents. He was a big boy. <laughs> yeah. He was a big boy. Told his parents what, what, you know, what we do. And she was like, well, you think he could be a ball boy? I'm like, well, yeah, we've got, yeah, we, we'll take him on. Took him on. I remember when he used to go out pregame and be out rebounding. And here the kid was in 10th grade, six. He's a big boy. Six, yeah. seven, whatever, 300 pounds. Other teams would tell him, hey, you got to go on the other end. We're going to shoot down here. <laughs> they thought he was a player for us. <laughs> Starting to warm up. Yeah, and I'd say, and Max would say, no, no, I'm a ball boy. And they're like, what? Yeah, so, that's funny. And then, you know, he went on to play for the – played at the University of Florida. Sure. Went to – Steelers. Steelers, won a few Super Bowls. Now he's doing uh, broadcasting. TV broadcasting yeah. for Fox or somebody yeah, in Arizona. Right. So he stays in touch. He still sends me – Emails every now and then. But, Sid, you get a chance to see these guys kind of at their – you get to know these guys. You get yeah. to see how they interact. You get to see, you know, for those that don't know how a, how a locker room works, right, it's kind of similar to baseball. Do they do they tip when the team comes through? or Do the ball boys have a chance to make money when they're working? And you, you kind of get to see – you kind of get to see that side of it too, don't you? They do. I mean, ball boys, I mean, that's how they make their – they get their hourly wage and then they look for the tips from guys saying, hey, can you go get me uh, – a hot dog, a pizza. Most guys nowadays don't want to eat the uh, the health food that we put out pregame. 
Guys yeah. still do that? They still? Oh, yeah. I, I find that interesting. With They'll still send the guys. so health conscious, and they've got the, the gatekeepers, now, all the sports performers. Not a lot of them. Yeah, not a lot of them. <laughs> I don't know how you'd get a hot dog into the locker room now. <laughs> but, I mean, you remember when Dwight was with us, Dwight used to uh, – we'd have a nice spread at post game, and he'd order six pizzas. And I don't want to eat that. I want pizza post game. <laughs> so they'd have to go get it. They'd yeah, they'd go get, get the pizzas, put it in his locker. I mean, we still – there's a few cities now that – Players know where there's good pizza, and they come to me and say, hey, I don't want to eat gotcha. what we got post-game. Tell the ball boys you'll get me a pizza. So I said, okay, we'll get you a pizza. We'll hide it in your locker. We'll put a towel over it so the training staff or the dietician doesn't see it. And They uh, see it and eat it too, by the way. Let's not, <laughs> yeah. let's not get yeah. twisted. Yeah. Like, sort of the PR but, no, I mean, yeah. then you yeah. get, you know, back in the day, I, mean, I, I always tell a story about, again, a Michael Jordan story that when uh, the Bulls used to come to town, they were always a high-maintenance team. You had Scottie Pippen, Michael, Horace Grant. Rodman. Rodman. That, you know, and back then also, we didn't have the – you didn't have the pregame spreads out. No. That stuff wasn't around. So the guys would always come in, hey, can you get the ball boys to go get me a hot dog? Scottie Pippen always wanted coffee at a certain time before the game. And – uh I just remember Michael Jordan coming to me, telling me once, hey, just let your ball boys know that don't waste your time with Scotty. And I'd say, well, you know, they're just doing their job. And they're like, he's like, no, they're all working for a tip. How do you think he got his nickname, No Tip and Pippin? <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to tip them. So oh, no. tell them don't waste your time with oh, him. No, so, and that's, but, you know, plus we had one of the, the best tippers in the league with us for few years Horace Grant really Horace used to take after every game when he was with us he did it in Chicago as well if there were say three locker room tenants in our locker room working pregame halftime postgame he would always come to me and say hey what's the kids names and I'd get their names and he'd pull them over it when on his way out and he'd give each one of them a hundred dollars wow to here th- thanks for taking care of it. it's not like he asked for a whole lot of stuff right but that's a lot now Oh, nowadays, hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, but nowadays, yeah. I mean, there's a now the saying that we use is a lot of the guys. It's you do something for the guys, and they say thanks. Well, our line that we drop on them now is, "Hey, you can't put thanks in the bank." (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's an old baseball line. I learned I learned that from Jacob. Jacob taught me that one. So. But we're guy. You do something for someone. All they do is say, "Hey, thank you." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't put thanks in the bank. Sid, you also have to get along with the coaches. I mean, you, you work very closely. Talk about your, the relationship that you as the equipment manager through the years. I know you're, you're an executive now, but <laughs> the relationship that you have to have with the head coach and what that's like for you. Well, I mean, it's you're basically, I mean, it comes down to things that you have. I mean, the everyday part of my job was the scheduling, the itineraries, the practice schedule. The beginning of the season, you're sitting with a coach going through your whole travel, like with the hotels, what dates you want to travel. So, yeah, every day it's uh, it was always a – no matter what coach it was, it's – you're always there picking at their ear, hey, are we still doing this? Some coaches were great. I mean, a couple of coaches, once you had to schedule, they stuck right to it. Now, I've had a few other coaches that they set the schedule, and next thing you know, it's it's changed every day. But yeah, I mean it's uh, I mean every day it's like right now working with Cliff. You know, I had Cliff as an assistant, so it's easy that 
he sets a schedule during we basically we went met in August after our schedules came out. You travel, you plan the whole travel for all year to the T. I mean, what days you're traveling, what time you're traveling. And he's the type of guy, he doesn't alter from it. So once he set it in stone that, hey, our flight time is going to be 2 o'clock when we leave Orlando to another city, we leave at 2 o'clock. So when you look at that in August, you might make a suggestion, Yeah. right, or two. I mean, there's times that you, you know, like now you've got the so-called sleep doctors that want to spend the night after games. Where back in the in the old days, it was like, you know, you get to the next city. Right. Nowadays, it's, it's what do you call it, the uh, management, your load, uh, management. load management, that these guys are looking at that thinking, okay, well, we want the guys to stay, stay over here, sleep, get some more, get better sleep, and then we'll leave the next day. Well, those things come up, and yeah, we all have our input. Usually it's myself, Cliff, um, Dave Tenney. And then one Cliff would always have one of his assistant coaches in with him to, uh, and those are all things that are discussed. Like, do we want to spend a night here? Do we want to just get to the next city? So, like I said, those are things that we do in August. And then you know, yeah, I got to work with Delta, the airline, because we all fly on the Delta charter program. There's 26 of the 30 teams. They're all with Delta, so you got to plug in your. Your days of travel, your times of travel, and then they have, what, 11 planes that basically jump around between from city to city, grabbing all these teams. Not only the NBA, they've also got uh, 28 of the NHL teams. Somebody's so, got a big grid somewhere at Delta Airlines. Yeah. That's, that's so a big he, grid. Yeah. So, I mean, it's – Keep up uh, all of that. So, you got to plan all that out. I mean, and they – Delta, you know – Basically, in August, they want your whole schedule for the whole year as to what your your travel times are going to be, your when you plan to get to another city, and, and so. And then all that in conjunction, you start. That's where you got to knock out the hotels as well, mm-hmm. booking your contracts for your hotel stays, ground transportation, ground transit, the buses, the trucks. Hold on, now I want to know. There have been multiple times during my career here, and you can all attest to this, to where we have flown out we have gotten out of cities where there are no other planes getting out of no but yet all of a sudden i remember calling my wife multiple times saying i don't know if we're getting out tonight sounds like everything's grounded and the next thing you know sid's like all right here we go and we're going jfk yeah Uh, remember that one three or four years boston is the one that i remember where we flew out during the there was a huge nor'easter and i thought there's no way like if there's one night we're ever gonna get snowed in and we have to go back to the hotel it's tonight and next thing you know we're all on the plane and <laughs> we're all buckling go. up how I, I, how does that happen sid how that's, does that, that happen that, that's is above that, that that is way above me yeah that is a delta call all right that i think well, that wasn't delta at the time that was magic that, oh, was that was magic carpet oh that was yeah that was <laughs> magic that was carpet. magic carpet <laughs> I don't know who that. I, mean, I guess Rich needed to plane somewhere, no, all right. so we had to get home. I don't know. That's one I would. But I remember forget. the one in in New York at JFK, like yeah. David said. That was only that, a couple years ago. But they yeah. put they put the plane in a hangar waiting for us. Right. To get there, so there wouldn't be snow on it, and then all of a sudden they opened the doors. There was no there was plane. No plane and there was to be no, seen. There must there have was been nothing a foot out of snow there. on the runways. They, they de-iced twice to get. Yes. De-iced twice, 
And then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, we're getting you out of here. Those are all the stories my wife loves to hear, by the way. There was yeah. one little strip for the front wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Some poor guy had shoveled off. Oh, my God. So you remember, the, out. You remember the flight we had with our... Bucket of balls. <laughs> no, remember we were flying back home from somewhere, to, and we had to divert to Miami? Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was storm of the century. Yeah, we came across the Gulf, and then the next thing you know, we're getting ready to land. Next thing you know, we're flying to Miami. That was our first plane. That was the... The Bach, right? Yeah, when, Bach when the team landed, there were planes. We were, you know, we had to land in Miami. We were supposed to land in Orlando. We were right. going home, mm-hmm. but Miami was the closest airport they could get to, and there were overturned. Small planes were flipped over, flipped over all over the place. We Thank flew out. To, we were going to Tampa first, right? We thought we could get in yeah. Tampa. That didn't could, work, so we sent us to Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah. And now here's a little footnote: John Cook, who was the TV producer, <laughs> he and I, we didn't want to get back on the plane because the plane waited until the storm passed. Yeah, we slept in the FBO. That's what Cook and I got a we rented a car. I don't know how we rented a car at four AM, but we did. And we drove and we were dodging tornadoes. I mean, they were passing by our windows all the way up the turnpike. And I mean it was a harrowing drive back from Miami for Cook and I. And as we pulled into the hangar the plane is landing. <laughs> so we screw this flight of the air. So Cook and I rented a car, dodged tornadoes for four and a half hours, yeah. and the plane landed at the same time we not got had a 40 decision. No, not a good decision. No. We had a 40 minute flight. I like yeah. the players that don't like to fly and we get into like some turbulence, like Daryl Armstrong. Oh. We were on that. Oh my gosh, you you can hear him screaming. Yes, Daryl didn't oh, like turbulence. Oh, good Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> like, we, these things are going. <laughs> I remember seeing Nino at a shoot around. You guys came back from somewhere. He said, I threw up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> there are some bad ones. There Once when we had, a, we had our own, when we had our own plane, we used to joke about the pilot all the time that when we go in the land, it's like he saw a donut at the end of the runway. <laughs> and he Doug. Was, Big Doug. Doug. He was putting he that thing down. Dime. He put that thing down on a dime. Yeah. Who were the, the funniest players? I, Magic fans would probably like to know. You you know, you were around every one of them. You know, one I always, I still to this day, I always thought Concac was a funny dude. Yeah. And he's just, I mean, to this day, I still stay in touch. Matter of fact, you saw me talking to, yeah, him, in I saw you talking to him in Atlanta. He's always just a typical player, always wanting gear. <laughs> I don't know who's worse, him or Nick, but I mean, but Nick you know, still hits you up for gear. Oh, Nick still, still to this day. He hasn't played in twenty years. Uh, tells me he's working out, starting to work out next week. And, That's great. And uh, so Jake, I said, Nick, I don't deal with equipment anymore. Go talk to Jacob. No, no, you go talk to him. Okay, whatever. So, but no, I mean, funny players. Yeah, guy, fun guys. They you might know, surprise people. Well, Turk, everybody knows Turk. Yeah. Turk's got his own way of being funny. And, I mean, you can't understand him half the time, but <laughs> he was – part of the he, That's why it was funny. Um, who else? Uh, Daryl must have been funny, though. He must have been fun to travel Daryl was fun. I mean, as long as he had his uh, his coffee, coffee and his, uh, his little chocolate uh, kisses or whatever he took. Yeah, that's right. Um, Dwight was funny in the beginning. It got a little stale, I think, towards – but remember he'd get on – when I first started oh, traveling with the, you guys, with the mic, yeah. He'd get on the microphone and do the announcements. That was pretty funny. Now, Stan, Stan hated didn't that. Like I know <laughs> Stan didn't. hated that. I know he didn't because he wouldn't impersonate Stan. Yeah, right? yeah, he hated that. But that was funny. What he'd was, do a Donald. And do, what was the story the one player um, we were talking about? Oh, Ron Mercer. When he uh, – he, he didn't know didn't know our name. I mean, this players that – I remember whenever I've seen him a few days. He's coaching somewhere now, I think. 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where Ron Mercer is. Somebody said he was co. I can't remember where it was, but he uh, he was a type of guy we. I forget where we picked him up from. Uh, Denver. 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 What was what was the trade? Uh, Chris Gatling, Gatling and Abdul Wahad. And Abdul Wahad for for Mercer. Yeah. That was, was like we were trying to make one push to. Heart and to hustle get that trying to get yeah, the heart and hustle team in the playoffs. And I remember Ron came in and uh, didn't say a whole lot, kind of a quiet guy. But as you know, over the time, you know, we got to know each other, and I'd always go up to him, and he all he ever called me was little daddy. Hey, little daddy, little daddy, can you get me this? Little daddy, get me that. And he'd go to our trainer, which was Teddy Arzonico, and he'd say, Hey, big daddy, can you get me this? Can you get me that? <laughs> and at it's the end of the year, time. at the end of the year, me and Teddy, we both made a bet. We said, let's, let's see if he really knows our names. And something came up, and he needed something desperately. And he's coming, he goes, he's little daddy. I need, I need this. Can you help me with this? I'm like, listen, Ron, I'm going to, I'll do this for you, but you've got to tell me your name. I mean, tell me my name. What is my real name? Come on, little daddy. You know I know your name. And then Teddy. That's the first sign. Isn't it? And, then, and then Teddy came in. Teddy goes, yeah, if you can name his name and my name, we'll take care of whatever you need. Come on, big daddy. You know I know little daddy's name. And still, he never did. Never did. We had to tell him. You know, Ron, my name's Sid. I know that little daddy. <laughs> you had a, you never had that happen either, did you, George? Oh, George. Uh, I had it, I had it happen to me a couple of times, but yeah, I had it happen to me. Yeah, it happened. I, it happened. Yeah, I helped. George has over. been called Joel numerous times, and and Joel has been called well, George, George numerous times. I think it's because our names are so close, and nobody cares. First think that, rule I think of the locker room is know the equipment guy. Yeah, got to got to know the equipment guy. It's a smart play. Oh my gosh. Yeah. JT attached himself to you right away. Oh, Jeff was easy. He was low. As he was low maintenance. Yeah. He was Sid, easy. Sid kind of negotiated uh, my like. I, it was one point where I you moved from Converse, Converse to, to Reebok. Reebok. Sid yeah. took care of me, man. Nice. He nice. put the whole deal together. I was for me. I was getting everybody in Reebok. <laughs> Shaq was in it, so I was like, "Hey, I got a guy that wants him." Can you Dennis get the, pod, get the pod squad hooked up with something here. <laughs> is that why the name of your boat is Reebok One? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, yes. I remember. I remember well, who's I had, the trainer that has a boat? Seriously, that named it Tips. The trainer. Oh, there was a trainer. Uh, was it Joe Tool? No, not. It might have been Joe. He had a little boat and he called it Tips. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. That's a way to do it. That's pretty good. David has one. It's called Per Diem. Put my kids through college with Per Diem. <laughs> well, Sid, this is great. We really appreciate it. Thanks for shedding some uh, some light into. No, thanks for having into, me on. into your career. This has been what, George? Eleven years in the making. We've been wanting to get Sid yeah, on one of our shows. We've been wanting to get Sid on something for sure. We just who got him in the in the room here? That was the major, Dante did. major get. Dante Dante get, well, he agreed Dante, to Dante had, chased me down doing bags tonight. Plus, he promised him that we're going to Cattleman's. Yeah, that we're going to Cattleman's. So. Yeah, <laughs> Joel has and, to pay for and Joel's paying for it. So <laughs> That's right. So we can do that. Put this one on Joel. Yeah, I, uh, I'm George, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it continues. <laughs> All right. Appreciate it, Sid. A lot of fun, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Or maybe never again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right, now how good was that? I could sit there and I could sit there and talk to Sid and listen to Sid talk all day. Those stories, it's a lot of them, especially the ones that predate me. It's just great. It's a great recap, and it's a, it's a lot of fun for me to hear that. I was always told when when I first got on with the magic. Listen, if you want to, if you want to survive, <laughs> the two guys that will always look out for you will be will be Sid and I, I, was it Lenny or Timmy? It was before Ted got here. 
But anyway, it was the it was always like, listen, your friends, your trainer, your trainer and your equipment guy will always take care of you. They'll yep. always look out for you, and you especially don't want to get on their bad side <laughs> because they can they can jam you pretty good. So, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. For I players, to, uh, that that's a key position for players. Oh, I mean, people position. have no idea. You know, right? Like we were talking about, you know, it's just you know, especially I think maybe not so much you know for the stars as, but you know, like somebody in my position that you know, didn't necessarily have a big shoe contract or things like that. You know, somebody like Sid just is always looking out for you. I, I didn't get a chance to tell you a funny story. Uh, a few years back, um, I think when I had first come back and everything, I was going to the Black Tie and Tennies Gala and everything. And like, oh, I didn't have any, have any shoes or anything. So I went and asked Sid, Sid, look, you know, whatever you got, just, you know, if you got a pair of 15 somewhere. So he gives me this pair of like, Kobe Mamba shoes and everything like I I don't even know what they are and everything but everybody's just like oh my god those shoes and everything I still have those shoes nah, by the way. Nah, see, yeah, see and Zoo would tell you like I didn't go through a lot of shoes I don't know how guys do it these days where they wear one pair of shoes and yeah. You know, because I had to break them in and everything. That's I've just funny. got those mambas where I want them. <laughs> you know what? You know what's good about Sid though too, and I, this is something that I actually, I, I actually try to do myself is Sid treats every guy in the locker room. Now you, you have to cater to guys a little bit, but it's he has a way of yes, treating every correct. guy the same with the same respect, right. As much as you can, and and you know you have a superstar that you have to treat a certain way, but you also want to treat the 15th guy like, listen, these are NBA players and they're the best in the world. And Sid's very good about balance and being fair and not, you know, I mean, you have to cater to a certain level. You know but. how you can tell he does a great job is because when players come back, they always want to talk to Sid. Right. When mm -hmm. play, uh, right. players that have played in Orlando or if they're retired and they come back to the arena for a game, they, they go and find Sid, and yeah. uh, you know it's a, every every night's pretty much a reunion for him because you know there's there's guys all over the league and retired and still playing that they want to go and uh, and, and say and hi catch to up him. with them. Yep. Well, that was a lot of fun. I think and Magic fans want to know, and this is we get a second just to break it down. We're we're only six games into this thing, not shooting the basketball well right now. But just what are you guys seeing from from your vantage point and? And from a shooter's perspective, yeah, Jeff probably better suited to, to talk to it. But you know, we started two and six last year. We started yeah. slow out of the gates and obviously had the great finish. But what, in your in your opinion, what is what, what's going on right right at, right at this moment? I think a lot of it is is timing and everything. It's like I you know I went back and I watched the game again from the other night that we did, and you know a lot a lot of things. They're little simple things that maybe you don't pick up like. When you're executing, you got different people in different spots. It, 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 there's a difference having basically, whether it's Mobamba, Markel Fultz, Aminu, you know, guys that are in, it, it, it changes the way things happen. And sometimes a pass, right, like that is usually delivered, you know, right on time to Terrence Ross, for instance. You know, T. Ross catches it in rhythm, goes right up, knocks it down. If the pass is a little bit off or something, so to me, it's a rhythm okay. thing right okay. now. Um, you know, you don't you don't forget how to shoot the basketball, right? T. Ross, Bucevic, whoever's struggling, um, you don't forget how to shoot. It's just it's just a rhythm that you get into. And right now, I don't think we're in a really good rhythm offensively. 
Um, and I think that's something that'll that'll come because the guys they've got all the access to the facilities that you know they'll they'll work through it. They're in there working from by all accounts. So I, I think we'll get through this. Yeah, the way I see it is uh, if you keep playing the same defense that we've been playing, right. and I, I see no reason why that'll stop because a we have individual guys that are really good defenders. Um, two, we have a great coach. Steve Clifford that understands defense, and C, we have guys that are going to keep working hard. So um, I think defensively we're going to have a really good team. So when the offense catches up, I think we start rolling. And that's the thing, right? There, you see the frustration that's out there on social media, and you hear it. And, and guys are frustrated not knocking down shots, but you know it's going to come. Eventually they're going to break through, and, they, and you just wait for that because of those reasons yep. you laid out. I mean, the Denver game, we were obviously we were better. We competed harder than we did in the Milwaukee game. And I think that's all Cliff wants out of these guys. And I think he wants them to get – he keeps drilling in them that they have to be in the right mindset. And clearly against Milwaukee, maybe for whatever reason, and that happens over an 82-game year. And then in the Saturday game against Denver, they had a much better mindset, but we still just couldn't knock down shots. So eventually the shots are going to fall there, and it's not bad shots. They're good shots. All right, lastly, Markell is a starter. Obviously, Cliff's not going to do this one game and then move on. This is something he's analyzed. He's put a lot into this. Uh, but the benefits of really how it can kind of help both units, JT. Well, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on air and everything. I, I think, you know, starting the game, um, you know, there's nothing that DJ has done wrong. People need to understand Correct. that. This, right. the, the, you know, the losing or whatever is not DJ's responsibility. I think Cliff and his staff and even management, we're in this for the long haul. So what's going to be best for us as we get down the road and we're competing for playoff spots and everything? And, and Cliff said it best. We need balance. Both units, first and second units, need balance. Wasn't that way through the first six games in preseason. And I think Markell, a, a, a good defender, right, who's still working his way back, but a guy that gives us something that maybe we didn't have before, a guy that can get into the pain and create for others. DJ could do it, but that really wasn't his strength. Um, and then taking DJ and putting with a second unit that – really at times is a little offensively challenged. I mean, it becomes where it's just solely focused on getting T. Ross the ball in certain spots. Gives us another dimension offensively. So I think it creates a little bit better balance for both units. And I think down as we move forward, I think that's that'll be a strength of ours. All right. Good stuff, guys. You're going to go track down Sid and try to get some gear, aren't you? You do for some socks or some something, right? I'm I'm ask him for no, those I don't Kobe's. abuse. I Jake, don't Jake abuse my guy. relationship. Okay, that's well, right. Said. That's Jake's. Yeah, and Jake's good too. Yeah. Yeah. Jake's taking care of us. He's been. Absolutely. And we're going to yeah, have him at some what, point see, on this but, podcast. You know, Jake. I don't want to abuse my Jake because no. Jake's my shoe guy now. As far as getting information, got it. You're getting info. Yeah, we're dropping you things in the broadcast yeah, that yeah, people are not paying attention. Is that right? Yeah, he is. I don't get to hear a lot of the home. Oh yeah, broadcast stuff. I okay. have to sit there. Good and stuff. Listen. We'll bring that penguin with you. And we'll okay, f- okay. The penguins are strange in this hotel. I'm not gonna lie to you. This whole hotel is strange. <laughs> it's a warehouse. Uh, it's it's very odd. It's very very. But you'll never hear me complain because we the way we get to travel, no, would never jeopardize. It's, great. That. it's better than the. Uh, best but the penguin is strange. It's the, All right, guys. Appreciate it. Next week, March in Gortat. That should be interesting. Oh, so yeah. we look forward That'll to that. Be one. Fun.